Church, good evening. My kids bought me a 12 string guitar for my birthday. Listen to this. If you're not a guitar person, that probably means nothing, but very exciting. Why don't we just take a moment to commit this time to the Lord? Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us. We just thank you for every gift that you give us. Lord, it's good to be part of your people. And we just ask that as we worship you together now in spirit and in truth, you might be glorified and we might be encouraged. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, later on, we've got um, a couple of the younger guys coming up to help us. But in the meantime, this is us. So let's stand and sing. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. glory pour out your power and love as we sing holy 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 open the eyes of my heart lord open the eyes of my heart i want to see you. i want Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you high. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love.
You deserve the glory. 
for from you are all things, and to you are all things, you deserve the glory. amazing to think that uh, when we sing that those words straight out of the book of Revelation that we're really joining with what's going on in heaven all the time it's hard for us to get our heads around that we just praise you that uh, worship you is just so right so true and thank you for who you are alright uh, so guys ready to come and help us this is Zach and Hannah. They're going to come and help us lead this next song.
that bit again. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning Thank you that you are sufficient in every area of our lives. We can trust you and rely on you, for you are everlasting. Help us, Lord, to remember that you are always there for us, and that we are always under your care, that you are our sovereign God and are in control of all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's do scripture at Suvi. Every month here at Suvi Church, we memorize a Bible verse from the scripture. This month's verse comes from Psalm chapter 103, verse 8. Let's say it together. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Thank you. Awesome. Very well done. Okay, kids, you can head off to your classes. Everyone else, say good day to someone nearby and then take a seat. Good evening. My name is Melanie and I'm one of the staff members here at SUBI. A very warm welcome to you if it's your first time here today. On your chair will be a connect card um, or you can scan the QR code behind me to get that. Um, connect cards are a way for you to RSVP to events, share prayer requests so the staff and the elders know how to care for you. And I invite everyone including our regulars to fill one in. Offering. Offering is an important part of our worship to God, and we give with joy and thanksgiving to God because of what he has given us in Christ Jesus. Please join me as we pray. Father, we thank you for your generosity towards us, for your mercies that are new every morning. We worship and are devoted to a God that has given us every good thing. Help us, Lord, to respond in obedience to you by giving out of the blessings you have given us. Help us to be a cheerful giver and see giving as a great privilege. Please use this money to help us spread the gospel, that it will be used wisely and according to your will, that many more will come into your kingdom. Amen. Upcoming events. We have the Hour of Prayer, which is happening on Wednesday, the 18th of October, from 7 to 8 p.m. here in the Church Cafe. And we pray to a God who hears the prayers of his people. So let us come together as a church and pray during this time. Membership class is happening on the 5th of November on a Sunday from 12.30 to 2 p.m. 
In Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 5, it says, In Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Individual Christians are part of a greater whole. Each of us are members of Christ's body, the church. Church membership involves formally committing to serve Subi Church with your time, talent, and treasure, and the church formally committing to support you in your spiritual growth. If you are not yet a formal member, we encourage you to become one. Come along and hear more about our church and what it means to be a member. Lunch will be provided on that day, so please RSVP on your Connect card. Women's Ministry Night, it's in the bag packing party. And that's happening on the 8th of November from 7.30 to 9 p.m. in the Church Cafe. This year, Subi Women's Ministry is supporting Share the Dignity's Christmas Appeal by having a It's in the Bag Packing Party. Share the Dignity is an Australian women's charity that works to make a difference in the lives of those doing it tough. This is the last women's ministry event for the year and there will be a Bible talk by Debbie Main and some food and fellowship. And we will be packing the handbags with donated items and writing Christmas cards and messages of hope to the women who will be receiving these bags. If you can't make it on the day, you can still participate by donating items for the bags. And the donations can be dropped off at the Subi Kids reception on the 28th and 29th October and the 4th and 5th of November. Please see um, the flyers as you exit for the list of things that we invite you to bring. Book of Appreciation for Pastor Chin. We are compiling a book of thank you messages from the congregation to give to Pastor Chin as he finishes off his time at Subi Church. And today is the last day that you can send that in. And you can do that via the email um, behind me. Or there is a folder in the Subi Kids reception if you prefer to write a handwritten note. And um, you can put that in the blue folder that's sitting right there. Now it's time for prayer. Please join me as we come before the Lord in prayer and we prepare our hearts to hear from God's word. Father, it is with heavy, heavy hearts that we pray for the conflict in Israel. What we have seen and heard this week of the disregard for life and humanity has shocked and saddened us beyond belief. The carnage, destruction and loss of life suffered in this conflict has horrified us. We have witnessed pure evil at work. We know this is the work of the evil one. Satan has been a murderer from the beginning. We pray that you would bring an end to the violence and murdering ways. We ask, Lord, that the hostages would be freed, every single one of them. For the innocent lives caught in the crossfire who are merely considered to be collateral damage, may you protect them and minimize the loss of life. For the families that have lost loved ones and those who have loved ones taken hostage, point them to you and your salvation. May they hope in you alone. We pray for your wisdom for both sides of the conflict and for the international community. We pray that all of humanity would be appalled at the actions of those instigating death and destruction. May the watching world see that the explanation of these types of atrocities is human sin and see that Jesus is the only solution for this 
in his death and resurrection. Please open the eyes of all people to the truth of the divine Christ as the hope of the world. May the promise of eternal life with you, when every tear will be wiped away, be our incentive to live our lives following you despite the troubles around us. Lord, we pray for the voice referendum this weekend. This has been a time that has brought up much hurt, fear, and division instead of unity and understanding. You are our sovereign Lord, and the outcome is in your hands. We pray that both sides will come together in unity to care for Australia's first peoples, our brothers and sisters, and fellow image bearers. We pray for our services this weekend, that they might gl bring glory to the Lord Jesus. May our church be a city on a hill, shining the light of Christ to our communities. Please be with Pastor Chin as he brings your word to us. May your spirit carry your words deep into our hearts, changing us from the inside out. Give us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In our sermon today, we will be looking at the Spirit of God giving life to us through his word. The two Bible readings today will be on two instances in which God brings life through his spirit and word. The first passage is Genesis 2, verses 4 to 7, and the second passage is Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 10. Genesis 2, 4 to 7. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 10. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in, with, in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Good to be with you, good to see you, and as always, 
good to be with God's family, to hear from God and to worship God together. Um, I have uh, three more sermons to go before I step down on the 12th of November. I do plan to attend Subi until the end of November, and then after that I'll be doing a bit of traveling uh, in December to go back to Malaysia to see my parents with a family. And so, with that in mind, one of the things I've been doing is praying and thinking about what I can be preaching on for the last three sermons that will be most helpful to all of us, including myself. And I thought, why not start a short sermon series focusing on the scriptures? And so that is what I'm going to be doing for these three sermons. So we, David and I will still be alternating weekends. So I'm preaching this week, David is preaching next week, and then I'm preaching the week after, and so on. Now before we get into the sermon, one of the things that we need to keep praying for, as many of you have heard the news in the Middle East, it is a horrible, horrible atrocity that's going on uh, in, those, in that region. And as God's people, one of the things that we need to be beseeching and praying and seeking God's face on this issue is that it's just so painful and so horrible to see human evil um, being done in that area. So before we go to the sermon, let me ask you, just join with me once again to pray. I'll give you one minute to pray, and then I'll lead us in prayer at the end of that. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and we are absolutely distraught and horrified to see what is happening in the Middle East. Lord, there's no other way to describe it but to see evil, evil being perpetrated in that whole region. Lord, as you know, as we are going to see in this chapter, Lord, that humanly speaking, what else can we do? There's not much we can do except to pray to you because you are the God who can do all things. And so, God, we ask you, Lord, to do what is, whatever is necessary to end the evil that is going on there. Not just there, but also between Russia and Ukraine, Lord. We just pray. We pray that all wars will be ended. But ultimately, we do know we do need a change in heart. A change in heart that only you can bring. And so, Father, we ask. We ask and we pray. We ask and we pray that you would do that for the people who are suffering there, for the people who are doing all this evil. Lord, we pray that you would change their hearts or you would stop their hands. And for us here, Lord, we pray, we pray that as a people we continue to seek your face. To seek your face for Jesus and pray for the people in these regions. And Lord, we pray for ourselves this evening as we come to your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts this evening be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 1937, there was a 19-year-old Frenchman named Angelo Hayes. I tried to look for a photo of him, but I couldn't, couldn't find a reliable photo of him. But he became a bit of a celebrity in France. You see, September the 1st, 1937, he was riding his motorcycle, and he got to an accident. And in that accident, he went headfirst into a brick wall. 
Now, you've got to remember in 1937, helmets were not required. And so you can imagine that kind of accident, what it would do to his face. He got so disfigured that his parents were not allowed to view his body. And the doctors, they could not find any pulse on him, and they declared him dead. Three days later, they buried him. Now, after that, there was an insurance investigation, and they, presumably about insurance payout and those sort of things, and they had to dig him up to exhume him after he's been buried. So two days later, after he was buried, they exhumed him, they dug him up, and to their surprise, they found that his body was still warm. Turns out he was actually in a deep coma. And because he was in a coma, his body did not need that much oxygen, and that kept him alive. So they took him out, they uh, get him to go through many surgeries and rehabilitation, and after a while, Angelo Hayes recovered completely. And because of that, he became a bit of a celebrity. He was a man who was buried alive, but survived. He was dead, but not fully dead, still slightly alive. Doctors thought he was dead, but he wasn't. Just in a coma, recovered fully eventually through enough help, through surgery and rehab. Now I bring through Angelo Hayes, bring out Angelo Hayes and what he went through because that is what many people think about mankind's spiritual condition. Right, just like how Angelo Hayes, he seems to be dead but not really dead, just needed some help to recover. Many people will think the same about the human condition. They will think, well, yeah, we have many serious issues about the human heart. Yes, we look out into the world, we see evil and chaos exactly what we are seeing right now, looks bad. The solution is that we just need enough help from others that we can improve and have a better version of humanity. Right? And once we do that, human beings, if we have society, we will progressively get better and better as technology, as science, as research get better and better and, and more and more advanced. Well, doesn't seem to be the case, does it? We still have problems today. Our problems go far deeper than that. In our passage today, in our sermon today, we're looking at a passage from Ezekiel chapter 37, the famous passage on the Valley of Dry Bones. Now, to help us understand why this is so significant, this passage is significant, we need to know a little bit about the context of Ezekiel, what's happening in the book of Ezekiel. So at this point of the history, the Israelites... They were in exile in Babylon. Their faith has been absolutely shattered because they never thought that Yahweh, the God that they worship, the covenantal God, they did not think that he would lose to another God. And in this case, it was the God of Babylon, Marduk. Right? Yahweh has rescued Israel over and over throughout the history Surely, when the Babylonians invade this covenantal God, this Yahweh, He is going to stop their enemies. He's not going to lose, is it? But the Babylonians did come. They did invade Jerusalem. They took the Israelites into exile in Babylon. The unthinkable happened. Yahweh lost to Marduk. How can that be? Yahweh lost. Or... Did he? And that's one of the reasons why God sent Ezekiel to prophesy 
to the Israelites when they were in Babylon. Because he was there to tell them, no, 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 Yahweh did not lose. The Israelites took God's grace, God's mercy for granted, and they sinned. Their exile into Babylon was not because Yahweh lost to Marduk. It was God's judgment upon them for their unfaithfulness and their disobedience. They are in Babylon because of their own sin. But as always, with the pattern in the Old Testament, when judgment comes, there's always grace. God gives them grace. That is what we see in chapter 37. And so we're, I'm going to read the first 14 verses. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. And like what we did with the passage from Proverbs, I'm going to get you to read together the last two verses. But I'm going to read the first 12 verses, and then we'll read the last two verses together. Let me invite you to stand if you're able. And I'm going to read from Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 onwards. Ezekiel 37, listen to the word of the Lord. The hand of Yahweh was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of Yahweh and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Yahweh, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of Yahweh. This is what the sovereign Yahweh says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Yahweh says, come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into the slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Yahweh says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you out from them. I will bring you back from the land of Israel. And in verse 13, let's read together. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. You may be seated. So there are three implied actions that we're supposed to take in this passage. Number one, recognize the spiritual condition of mankind. Recognize the spiritual condition of mankind. Verses 1 to three. So, verses 1 and 2, we read, Ezekiel was brought and sat down in the middle of a valley. And in this valley, you, he sees that it is a valley full of dry bones. This is most likely a vision, not a physical place. Right? He's seeing a vision from Yahweh. 
but it was a gruesome and terrible scene. This valley was full of bones. He walked back and forth among these bones. He saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. So these bones were dead as dead can be. Right? It's not like Angelo Hayes, as we saw, where that might still be a possibility of life. No, no, no. These bones are completely and utterly dead. No life. And I want you to notice that these bones were on the ground of the valley. That means that these bones, these people, these carcasses, they were not buried. They were just left there. That means that they would have been picked clean by wild animals or the birds or burned by the hot sun. And that's a sign of God's judgment. Right? In Deuteronomy chapter 28, the Israelites were warned that if they were disobedient, they will be defeated by their enemies, their carcasses will be food for all the birds and the wild animals. This is a scene of God's judgment. Judgment upon sin. They were spiritually dead as dead can be. And that's why they were in exile in Babylon, cast out from the promised land from Jerusalem. And this is a picture of the spiritual condition of all mankind. And this is not the first recorded instance of people being cast out or exiled from the land. Right? Adam and Eve, they were cast out from the Garden of Eden because of their sins separated from God under His judgment. Israel was cast out of the land because of their sin separated from God under God's judgment. It is a picture we are reading here in Ezekiel 37, a picture of all of humanity being cast out from the presence of God, separated from God, under His judgment. This is the spiritual condition of mankind. Dead. Dead as very dry bones. And this is what we saw in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, isn't it? Our condition is as dead as dead can be, dead in our transgressions and sins. That means that no matter what issue we're trying to address in our world or in our lives, the main foundational issue for us is the issue of our spiritual deadness. You see, all too often what happens is that we tend to focus on behavior modification. We think that we just need to modify their behavior, or we think that more technology will fix all our problems, or we just need to educate people a little bit better. While that may work for a short time, it does not change the fundamental problem we all have, the issue of our spiritual deadness. And what can dead people do to, to save themselves? What can dead people do? And in verse 11, we see that these bones are the people of Israel. This is not about the outside world. These are supposedly God's people, but yet they're spiritually dead. They knew and they heard about who God is. They know that. They knew about God's promises to them. They were aware of God's grace to them through the sacrificial system across their history. They knew all of those things, yet they did not trust Him or obeyed Him. They sinned, and they came under His judgment. 
And some of you here may recognize that this is describing exactly who you are. You've come to church, attended church for a while. You heard about who God is. You heard about Jesus. You heard about all His promises in Christ week after week as you attend church. You hear about the forgiveness of your sins through faith or trust in Jesus. And yet you recognize you don't actually trust or obey God in your life. You're just cruising along in your life, doing what you've been always doing, never giving any thought to God. That is what we were all like. Is there any hope for us? Where do we find that hope? Is there any hope for you? Look at verse 3. God asks Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? Well, when God asks you a question like that, I mean, how, how, how are you going to answer it? Well, Ezekiel knew that these are the spiritual condition of the people in the valley. They were dead, very dead. Humanly speaking, well, there's no way for them to come back to life, isn't it? But at the same time, it is the God of the universe asking you this question. Ezekiel knew God is, Yahweh is the God of the impossible. And so he answers perfectly. He says, well, sovereign Lord, sovereign Yahweh, you alone know. Only God knows if these very bones, very dry bones, can live again. He knows that people can be resurrected from the dead. And here we come to point number two. We proclaim God's word to bring resurrection. We proclaim God's word to bring resurrection, verses 4 to 10. As we read on, look at what God asked Ezekiel to do to these very dry bones in the valley. Verse 4, Yahweh asked Ezekiel to prophesy to these bones and say to these bones, Dry bones, hear the word of Yahweh. Now, put yourself in the shoes of Ezekiel. Right? Imagine how absurd that comment is, that command is. Ezekiel is standing in a valley full of dry bones, and here God is asking him, prophesy, speak my word to these bones, talk to these bones. These are dry bones. They are not alive. And he's supposed to say, hear the word of Yahweh. This is what the sovereign Yahweh says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. You will come to life. How absurd is that? I mean, he's speaking to very dead, very dry bones. Remember the question, can these bones live? Even if we were to think about a method of trying to bring these bones to life, while well, speaking to these bones is not the first thing we will be thinking about. But that's exactly what God asked Ezekiel to do. And like a faithful prophet, he does it. Verse 7, he, he, so he says, So I, Ezekiel, prophesied as I was commanded. Now he proclaims God's word to these very dry bones. God says to these bones, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. And as he proclaims God's word to these bones, he hears a noise, a rattling noise. And the bones came together. Tendons and flesh appeared on them. Skin covered them. The bodies were restored. But that's stage one. They have no life yet. Once again, Yahweh commands Ezekiel to proclaim and to prophesy. This is what the sovereign Yahweh says. 
come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. Stage one, Ezekiel proclaims and prophesies God's word to these bones. The bodies were restored, but God's not done yet. He asks Ezekiel to continue prophesying, but this time, come breath from the four winds, breathe into these slain bodies to bring life. Ezekiel prophesied as God commanded him, and breath entered into these bodies, and they came to life, and they became a vast army for God. Now, I want you to notice, how does the bodies, how do these bodies come back to life? How does God resurrect these very dry, very dead bones? He does it through the preaching and proclamation of His Word. In both stages, there is this declaration, Hear the Word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Yahweh says. The Word of the Lord is proclaimed, and through that proclamation, the spiritually dead are raised from the dead. God's Word brings about resurrection from spiritual death. And the resurrection that we read about here, as you saw in our Bible reading, has echoes of the creation of the first man in Genesis 2. Remember how he was created. Formed from the dust of the earth, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. If God can create life at the beginning of a creation, he can certainly resurrect life. And he does that through the proclamation of his word. One more element to, to look at in Ezekiel 37. And this element sometimes can be a little bit hard to spot in our English translations. But if you read your footnote, you'll see that. Because this particular Hebrew word is translated into different words each time. Now, it is not to say that the NIV is a bad translation. It is not. It's just that in English, there's no equivalent words. We just need different words. I'm talking about the Hebrew word ruach. And the Hebrew word ruach can be translated spirit or wind or breath. And that word occurs many times throughout our passage. But let me focus on just one verse. Look at verse 9. This is why it says, He, <clears throat> Yahweh, says to me, Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath, to the ruach, to the spirit. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the spirit, to ruach. This is what the sovereign law says. Come, breath, come, spirit from the four winds and breathe into this land that they may live. The Spirit of God is intimately connected to the resurrection that happens here. God's Word brings about the resurrection from spiritual death by the power of His Spirit. The Holy Spirit uses God's Word to accomplish the task God sets out to do. We see that in our passage. Ezekiel proclaims the word of the Lord to these dry bones. And the Spirit of God works through that proclamation of God's word and he resurrects and restores these people back to life, creating a vast army for God. And so when we come to thinking about the work of the Holy Spirit, as we saw from last week from David, is that the work of the Holy Spirit cannot be separated from the work, the Word of God. They are intimately connected. We proclaim God's Word to bring about resurrection. How? Because the Spirit uses that 
very same proclamation. We proclaim God's word to bring about resurrection by the power of the Spirit. Now, understanding this then changes how we think about our Christian life and how we think about evangelism. Because that means that at the heart of our spiritual life is letting the Holy Spirit work in our hearts through God's Word. We ourselves, we need to hear the proclamation of God's Word. Right? Remember, these bones are the bones of the Israelites. Through God's Word, by the power of God's Spirit, they were brought to life. It's the same for us today. We need to hear the preaching of God's Word and as we sit under the preaching of God's Word, the Spirit of God works through that to bring new life to us. And that means it is vitally important that we regularly meet together every single week to sit under faithful preaching of God's Word. That is the most important activity of your Christian life, to be under faithful preaching of God's Word, together with God's people. That is the most important activity. And notice, it is less about the preacher. Ezekiel himself, he doesn't really do much here. All the work is done by God's Word and God's Spirit. Ezekiel just faithfully proclaims what God has said. It is not about the preacher. Not about the preacher. It is about the faithful preaching of God's Word, no matter who it is on this pulpit. It is about the preaching of God's Word. Trust the Holy Spirit to work in you through the preaching of God's Word. And that's why it's always fantastic when we have sermon series through books of the Bible. Because God's Word is the one that determines what we are hearing and listening and sit under every single week. We need to sit under faithful preaching of the Word of God. And through that, God's Spirit works through that to bring new life to us every single week. Now, understanding this also changes the way we think about evangelism. Because sometimes we, we are so enamored right, by the latest trends on how to reach the world. Right? We put pressure on ourselves to keep up to date with the latest tool in sharing the gospel. We sometimes feel that we must have all the answers in the world before we can begin sharing the gospel with our friend. You know, you know, over the years, many people have come to me and asked me, Chin, I, I have a friend who is a Muslim. How should I share the gospel with him? Or any variations of that question, right? I have a friend who is an atheist. I have a friend who believes in the prosperity gospel. I have a friend who is interested in Christian faith. What book or resource should I give to her? Or many times, I just simply ask them, well, have you offered to read the Bible with them? If you have not, why don't you start by offering to read the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of John with them, or any book of the Bible, really? You see, for most people, they have never opened the Bible and read it. In fact, for most Christians, we don't open the Bible and read it. They, what happens is that they just hear about people talking about the Bible, but they never read it for themselves. And so, very simple first step, read the Bible together. Because what you want to do is let scriptures 
to do the talking to them. Let the Holy Spirit work through God's Word. And by doing that, as you read scriptures together, what you're also doing is that you're letting God's Word ask and generate all the questions, not you. And if your friend asks you a question you don't know the answer to, well, you can easily say, well, great question, I don't know the answer to that. Let's try to figure that out from this passage. Or let me find a resource for my leader. Then you can ask those questions. But what happens at that time is that you are dealing with the Scriptures, God's Word itself. And what we want to do is really, we want to proclaim God's Word because as we proclaim God's Word, there's resurrection from spiritual death to life through the power of the Spirit. And once we understand that, once we grasp that in our hearts, in some sense it brings such a liberation, such a freedom to us because we realize in many sense, well, the heart of the Christian life is relatively quite simple. We come to church to listen to God's Word preached to us faithfully each week, nourishing, giving life to our souls each time. As we think about evangelism, there's no need for any fancy method, fancy techniques, just building relationships and reading God's Word together. Now, of course, there's, there's more to be said, which we will come to in the next few sermons. But at the core, at the foundational level of our Christian life, is really simple. We proclaim God's Word to bring about resurrection by the power of the Spirit. And what God is revealing to Ezekiel here is that even with these very dry, very dead bones, spiritually dead Israelites, God can resurrect them through His Word. Absolutely nothing we can do as human beings. Only God and God alone can do that. And that leads to our third point. We trust in God's sovereignty in redemption. We trust in God's sovereignty in redemption. Verses 11 to 14. So in verses 11 and 12, he explains to Ezekiel what this vision is all about. Dry bones are the people of Israel. They are cut off from God because of God's judgment upon them. And God will once again extend grace upon them, opening up their graves and resurrect them. But why is he doing that? To what end? What is the purpose? Verses 13 and 14. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord, I am Yahweh, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, Yahweh, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. We cannot bring life to ourselves. We cannot resurrect ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. Only God can do it, and He has done it. And have you noticed all throughout this passage from verses 1 to 14, who is the main subject? Who is the one doing all the actions? Yeah, Ezekiel did some as he prophesied, but God is the one who does the resurrection through His Word by the power of His Spirit. This is what the sovereign Yahweh says, I will make breath enter you. I will attach tendons to you. I will make flesh come upon you. I will put breath in you. I'm going to open your graves. I'm going to bring you back to the land of Israel. God is the one who does all these things. What can dead people do? Nothing. God does it. 
He's the one who raises up from spiritual death. And therefore, we have to trust in God for spiritual, in God's sovereignty for our redemption. And so, we, yes, we preach, we proclaim God's word faithfully. We pray earnestly for our loved ones who are lost. And we trust completely in God's sovereignty and redemption. God does it all. And there's an incident in the New Testament that perfectly demonstrates this. Someone has been dead for four days, already buried in a tomb, already begun to decompose. His name was Lazarus. Martha and Mary, they were weeping, they were in grief because their brother has died. But Jesus comes to them, the Word of God incarnate. The Word of God incarnate. He comes to them and says and proclaims, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And he walks to the tomb where Lazarus was buried in, gets people to move the stone away from the entrance, and he calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And Lazarus did. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him will live. He is God's word incarnate. And therefore, we proclaim Jesus to bring about resurrection from spiritual death by the power of the Spirit. And so the question is, do you believe in Jesus? Let me finish with this. This is a story, a testimony that I heard about a few days ago. There was a pastor. There is a pastor named J.T. English in America. He pastors a church. He is one of the hosts of a very popular uh, Christian podcast. He has a PhD in theology, well-respected, accomplished leader. And one time he tells of his conversion story. And as I hear it, it was the most remarkable, unremarkable conversion. Because he tells the story of the time where he just sat down to eat his burger in a restaurant in his university years. One student from Crew, formerly known as Campus Crusade from Christ, one student from Crew sits down with him and says to him, I'm supposed to read this gospel tract to you. And he reads through that gospel tract without making any eye contact with him. And God used that to save him. It's not about how we present the gospel. It's not about us. It's about the one who raises people after the proclamation of his word by the power of his spirit. The problems of the human heart cannot be solved with human ingenuity. It can't be solved with technology or education. We've got to recognize the spiritual condition of mankind. We are spiritually dead. What do we do? We proclaim God's word to bring resurrection by the power of the Spirit. We preach, we proclaim Jesus as the resurrection and the life, that whoever believes in Jesus will live. Do you believe in Jesus? Let me pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus is the word. 
the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That in Jesus we can see your full expression of who you are, of your heart, of your desire to raise us up from spiritual death. And Lord, we praise you that you have done that by the power of your Spirit. That each time we sit under your, the preaching of your Word, we, our faith, our faith is nourished and strengthened each time. And so, Father, we do ask and pray that by your Spirit, every time that we gather together as your people, that we sit under that eagerly, eagerly anticipating what your Spirit will do, what your Spirit will work in our hearts through the preaching of your Word. And through that, Lord, we trust completely in your sovereignty, trust completely in what you can do to this world. Lord, we know you can bring all things under your feet. And we pray for changed hearts. Hearts that will trust in Jesus and worship him. In his name we pray. Amen. One of the things that we do as a church, as we proclaim Jesus, proclaim the word, we do it through the celebration of the Lord's Supper. It is a visual proclamation of the gospel, a visual proclamation of the Word of God. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, that whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, what do we do? We proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We proclaim Jesus until He comes. And so when we come and celebrate the Lord's Supper as a family, what we are doing is that we're proclaiming the Word of the Lord we're proclaiming Jesus to one another, nourishing our faith, strengthening our faith as we do that. The bread is the body of Christ given to us, and the cup is the blood of Christ shed for us. He is the resurrection and the life. As we partake of the elements this evening, remember that. Put your faith in Christ. Believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. If you're here this evening, you're not a Christian, we ask that you remain seated. Please don't feel any pressure to take, but the question is this. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior? He can bring life from spiritual death. And this is the gospel that's laid out to you. How are you going to respond? For those of us who call Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, this is our opportunity to proclaim the Lord's death to ourselves and to each other once more. Let me invite the first few rows to stand to make your way forward. Please hold the bread and hold the cup and we will partake of them together at the end.
as we come together as God's people, let's remember the body of Jesus given to us. Let's take together. And this is the blood of Christ shed for us. Let's drink together. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Your word made flesh. Your word who loved us and gave his life for us. And by the power of your spirit, we have been made alive with Christ. That we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And this is not from ourselves. This is from your grace. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name. Stand and sing.
been a wonderful blessing to come together as God's family to sing praises to Him and to sit and hear from God. And I pray that you are blessed this evening as well. If you are here this evening, you need prayer, feel free to come to the front. I'll be more than happy to pray with and for you. Let me send you off with a benediction. May God the Father, who has breathed life into us through the power of His Spirit, continue to sustain us through the proclamation of His Son. To Him be all glory forever. Amen.